They may not have seen it all, but they've experienced. Fourth and 26. Stinks in a trash. AI's crossover. Throwing batteries at J.D. Drew. Brad Lidge hugging Carlos Ruiz. The Legion of Doom. And thousands of wins and losses over three decades of fandom. Talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. Here are your hosts, Joe O'Donnell and John Mita. Yes, 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 SoundCloud.com. Yes, yes, yes. It is the Brotherly Love Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, of course, at Beloved Podcast. Joe Donald, John Mita here with you. Johnny Meats, what is shaking, bro? Feeling good, buddy. Feeling good. About time. Uh, it's an exciting time in Philadelphia due to the fact that uh, the Sixers get Ben Simmons and the uh, new era of basketball is about to begin, which is very exciting for sure. Hey, we've got uh, free agency coming up in both the NHL and NBA later this week. There's all kinds of European soccer matches going on. I can't figure out which tournament's which, but uh, teams trying to one-up one another for their country pride. Team USA losing the uh, third-place game in the Copa America. England lost to Iceland today in the... Euro Cup or whatever the hell it's called. There's all kinds of people up in arms over that. Messi missed a penalty kick and retired on the spot, basically, for Argentina. I mean, lots of football to discuss if we wanted to, but we won't. What you're going to get on the Brotherly Love Podcast uh, Brotherly Love Podcast tonight or today, whenever you're listening on SoundCloud.com, is we're going to analyze the Sixers' three selections from the NBA draft last week. In fact, Sean Kennedy from Philly Fast Break will join us shortly. Uh, and then we're going to get into a conversation about Ben Simmons, Mickey Moniak, and Carson Wentz, the, what we hope or would perceive to be the next three faces of those three franchises, the Sixers, Phillies, and Eagles, respectively. And we're going to take a look at their potential careers and upsides and give you a little pick on maybe who we think will be the most revered in Philadelphia when it's all said and done. Plus, we will have our rant of the week, which we haven't had in quite some time. We haven't been ranting lately. Uh, we've been spreading the love, et cetera, but uh, we'll get back into the rant segment towards the tail end of the podcast here on SoundCloud.com. All right, John Mita, Ben Simmons went number one overall, the worst-kept secret in all of basketball. Sixers take the LSU versatile forward guard, whatever you want to call him. You know, I said last week that I wasn't a big Ben Simmons fan, to say the least, because of all the stuff surrounding him that wasn't on the court play and the on the court play this year at LSU as a freshman was certainly underwhelming at times uh glad at the end of the day he worked out for the Sixers that was one of my my big hiccups there and them selecting him I just hope he brings the right attitude and fits in well now that he is a Sixer what do you think I'm happy about the pick there's no question about that uh, you're right man it was worrisome and then I found out just like you did that they did work him out which was fantastic and it looks like he's on the right page here, Joe. I know people can say a lot of things in their reviews. They can say all the right things, but, you know, can they bring it to the table? Like I said before, the thing I do like is the fact that if there's any coach in the NBA that can get the most out of Ben Simmons, it has to be Brett Barr, Brown. And it seems like he's basically endorsing this opportunity. 
He's with Joel Embiid. It seems like they have good chemistry. And the potential is so high right now for this guy. And my whole thing is, like I said before last week, is will he understand what it takes to play in the city of Philadelphia? And who else made that comment over the last week? None other but the great Bubba Chuck, Allen Iverson. They asked Allen Iverson in several interviews. He was at the draft party for the Sixers. You know, what advice do you have for Benson? He just said, make sure you play hard and just leave it all out there. That's what they expect. And if you do that, they'll love you for life. So happy about it. Um, it's a great building block. And it's nice. It's nice. We haven't been able to get excited about the 76ers in about three years. So I'm happy about the peg. Let's just hope it pans out. Am I crazy to think the future, though, clearly hinges on Joel Embiid and his health and his impact? No. I wouldn't say you're crazy at all, man. They're booking that large due to the fact that they tried to trade both Nerlens Noel and Jaleel Okafor on draft night. They are counting on this guy to become a major contributor for the franchise moving forward. You don't try to trade these other pieces unless you have the most absolute faith that this guy is going to be a great player for you moving forward. All right, later in the first round, the Sixers, they couldn't get back into the top 10 or the top 8. You and I were hoping they would land a Buddy Heald or Chris Dunn like most of Philadelphia was. 24th overall, they hold Pat, and they take a man I'm going to be referring to from here on out as TLC. Timothy Luawu Kabarut, or however you pronounce his last name. But uh, (laughs) TLC is initials, so I'm going TLC. Hopefully... He's draining threes, making waterfalls rain, whatever the heck you want to associate TLC. Maybe oh, I got one, I got one on the fly here. He ain't no scrub. He ain't no scrub. Let's hope that's the case. All right, so TLC, John Mita, corny jokes aside, twenty-one years of age, played in Serbia. I thought you thought we were gonna know the name. We were gonna know, you know, Jackson from Notre Dame or. You know, Euless from Kentucky. Those guys went much later. So, where you come out on this? Were, were you as disappointed as I was that it wasn't a name you knew? Or do you look at this kid, he's ready to come over potentially, and you add another piece to the puzzle, maybe just not a, one that you and I get to watch on a regular basis on ESPN? Yeah, I wouldn't say that I was disappointed, but it's just the big unknown factor. You know, after watching his highlight reel, I'm like, yeah, we got a player here. But from what I understand is he's one of the best athletes in the draft. Um, he's so young. He has the potential. looks like he's a very good defender. He's athletic as can be. Can go up and down the floor. And if you look at the way the NBA has turned, you're going to need a guy like this. You're going to need a guy that can guard a small forward, that can guard a shooting guard, and we will say, but like, listen, there's a couple guys on the board that I thought, my God, they're right there for the taking. The one guy that I was disappointed, his name is Malachi Richardson. I think he went to the 22nd pick to Sacramento. And I was just, ah, my God, I was just hoping 
hoping the fact that he would call the Sixers. But it didn't happen. But as far as him, he does look like he can come over right now. A lot of times when we pick Europeans, it's that stash and dash monster. These guys won't be ready for a couple of years, but to me, I think this guy has a great shot at making the roster. So let's just hope, let's just hope the Sixers scouting department of your gets this one right. That's all I'm saying. 26 overall, then about 10 minutes later, just a couple of picks later, they take a guy that they're definitely going to stash in Europe, soon to be 19-year-old Turkish guard Furkan Korkmaz. He played on the same team as Dario Saric, and so obviously when the Sixers were overseas to see Saric a lot the last year or two, uh, most notably this year, they got a look at Korkmaz. Uh, you know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you anything about him. Didn't watch any YouTube videos. He ain't coming over anytime soon. How would you grade that pick? Incomplete? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's definitely too hard to tell. There's no question about it. Uh, this kid can shoot the ball. He's like 6'8". He's athletic. He's only 19 years old. Uh, you mentioned it. He, he plays on the same team as Dario Sarge. You know, is this a chip to speed up the process to get Dario Sarge over here? It's certainly a possibility. But let's face it, man. In this league, you need great shooters. And if this kid can turn out to be a sniper, then they made the right pick. But I'm always hesitant. You know, if it's up to me, I'd rather take a guy that's played college for years yep. as opposed to a guy that's coming over from Europe. Because you don't know if they're going to come over. I mean, look at Sarge in general. Like, he's going to make $10 million over in Turkey. If he comes over here, he probably makes half that. So, it's definitely a warning sign. This guy was great, though. A lot of people, a lot of experts had this guy to be somewhat of a uh, first-round pick, maybe a late lottery, early pick. So let's just pray and hope they got a steal here. That's for sure. We'll get the thoughts of Sean Kennedy from Philly Fast Break in just a couple of moments, but I will leave you, uh, at least from my portion, with this. The Sixers do have two first-round picks next year and two first-round picks in 2019, theirs and the Sacramento Kings. So they certainly can stockpile, continue to stockpile assets, whether they be international players or, more notably, NCAA stars over the next couple of years. I mean, there's no question about it. Listen, Rome was not built in a day. I mean, this is, you know, as many people have said, trust the process. This is going to be a long time. I don't expect this team to win more than 25 games next year. And the way we're drafting right now, you don't want them to win 25 games. You hope the Lakers win enough games so that final pick that you traded for over three years ago becomes maybe like the top 13 lottery select. Well said, brother. Lose, Lakers lose. We'll take a timeout on the Brotherly Love podcast. We'll come back. We will continue our conversation and we'll have Sean Kennedy from phillyfastbreak.com. He'll join us next. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com. You're listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast exclusively on SoundCloud.com. We're back on the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com. Support us on Twitter if you could. If you could, at Podcast. 
We'll continue our hoops conversation now. Glad to be joined by Sean Kennedy, who is the man behind phillyfastbreak.com. Follow them on Twitter, at phillyfastbreak. Founded back in 2013. Sean, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Excited to talk uh, this new era of Sixers basketball. It is certainly that, a new era, uh, right off the hop. Do you believe the Sixers got it right with Ben Simmons? I do. Um, I think although Ingram would have fit more with the current construction of the roster, that's not something they were worried about. The The entire last few years have all been about finding that generational superstar to help carry the team to a true contender status. Although Simmons has some holes in his game that have been well documented, um, the shooting concerns being most prominent, he just has the highest ceiling of anybody in the draft and what he can do out there with his his vision at, at 6'10 and being able to have the size to be a legitimate power forward, but also the, the quickness to defend smaller players as well. He's, he's just... Uh, the potential for the once in a once in a lifetime type package, and I think the Sixers would have regretted passing on him. So I agree with the choice. Hey Sean, were you on board with the Sam Hinkie plan? Did you trust the process, so to speak? What were your thoughts on that? I did. Um, I was right on board uh, from the beginning when they initially traded away Drew Holiday for for Noel and some other pieces. Um, even though Holiday was a Probably my favorite player on the team at that point, but I, you know, I was just like like a lot of other people. I was just tired of the the seven or eight seed every year and the first round exits. And I know they they got to the second round the year Derrick Rose got hurt, but that was kind of an anomaly. And you just knew they never really had what it took to ever be considered a true contender and and really get late uh, go deep in the playoffs. So. It, it was. I was just tired of them treading water, so I, I was glad they were thinking outside the box and trying to find an alternate route to to building that contender. Because they tried the the Andrew they tried the Andrew Bynum route. They tried the uh, years ago. They tried bringing in Elton Brand and hoping that the Philly Max with Elton Brand and Andre Iguodala would be enough. But those uh, those routes didn't take. So they, they went a different way and. Uh, I like when I like when professional teams don't just stick to the status quo and do things just because that's how they they've always been done. I like innovation in all facets of life, but uh, particularly in sports where it, it it always kind of seems like a the the old the old boys club where they don't want to they don't want to change how things have always been done. They're the the basketball guys, and I, I just liked a, a different viewpoint and um, trying something different. It was it was a refreshing change in my opinion. Were you disappointed that the Sixers were unable to make a trade, you know, dealing Jaleel Okafor and Nerlens Noel on draft night? I mean, everybody here obviously was on board with them trying to move up and get the point guard from Providence, Chris Dunn. What are your thoughts on that? I, I was a little disappointed just because now something still needs to happen, but I wasn't disappointed in the sense that I didn't want him to give up too much for to for it to happen on draft night. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't think anybody outside of the two organizations themselves knows the, how true those rumors was of the Noel number 24 and number 26 picks and Robert Covington for number three was. Um, but I thought that was way too much for 
a guy in Chris Dunn who, while has a, he has a chance to be a, a very good player, he's not going to be. He doesn't project to be a superstar, and he's also not an ideal fit with Simmons, um, given the fact that he's not an elite shooter and he also excels having the ball in his hand at all times. So, with Simmons being a guy that also wants the ball, or who you're getting the most value out of him by having the ball in his hands as well. They just didn't seem like the perfect fit, so you shouldn't trade away half your asset base for a guy that's not the best fit long term. Um, it just seemed a very, very much like a get him to the the middle of the pack type move rather than being very forward thinking. And then um, there's still time to make a trade. I mean, there's going to be plenty of teams out there that strike out in free agency and don't get the guy they want to get. And then that's when uh, Brian Colangelo can give him a call and say, "Hey, we still have." Julio Okafor and Nerlens Noel here. Uh, let's try to get something done. So, long off season ahead. Um, I'm not worried about it yet because uh, I think there's still plenty of time to get a deal done. We're joined by Sean Kennedy from Philly Fast Break. Website is phillyfastbreak.com. Follow him on Twitter at phillyfastbreak. He joins us here on the Brotherly Love Podcast. Uh, Brett Brown, Sixers coach today, from what I read, went on 94 WIP. I think he was on with Mike and Ike. And basically said candidly, he expects a trade to get done with one of the big men really prior to the season starting, kind of what you just alluded to a moment ago, Sean. So uh, if you had a crystal ball, is it Okafor or Noel? And what did you think, if you did hear it, that Brett Brown came out so openly and said you know, he likes to communicate with his players, he knows that it's not a perfect situation for the big men because there's a bunch of them now with Embiid's health uh, hopefully on the upswing. So all that said, what's your take? Well, I think I think Brett's always been a straight shooter with the guys. He's and it's at this point it's no secret. It's the rumors have been out there as ever since Jaleel Okafor came came on board uh, in last last year's draft, really. And the rumors persisted throughout all of last season as they tried to make it work with them playing together, and it just didn't work out because their their skill sets overlap too much and. And then leading up to this draft, it was the same story with, you know, as as you alluded to, Embiid is uh, hopefully going to be healthy and hopefully Darius Harish will be coming over. And now with the drafting of Ben Simmons, um, that's another guy who, you know, projects the slot into the lineup at power forward. And it's just a numbers game. And I think for both the players um, and their own personal development, they need to get playing time and it's not going to be there um, ideally, with the number of players they're they're trying to get on the court right now, so it's it's one of the situations where it's probably best for them in the terms of their career potential to maybe go somewhere else, and it's best for the team given that they can uh, still get something for them at this point and hopefully improve the backcourt or uh, one of the wing positions. So I, th- I think he's just letting guys know, hey, you know, we're, we're not it's not that we don't believe in you. We just think this is maybe best for both you and the team. And uh, I think I like you said, I expect something to happen. And you know, we'll see what happens. And probably uh, no more after the July first free agent period begins. If you were Brian Colangelo, what free agent would you target this upcoming off season? Well, it's it it is tricky um, this off season just because there aren't a lot of uh, free agent point guards or wings that you really would expect to to be coming to Philadelphia. Um, 
you know, the, the KDs of the world aren't, aren't coming. Um, and even, even somebody like Mike Conley, he's a guy that he's far and away the best point guard on the market. And there's a pretty clear drop off after him, but he's not coming here. He's, he's going to look to go to a contender right away. And that's the case with most, most guys that are looking to switch teams. Um, if they're leaving a situation, it's usually that they're not happy with uh, the team not winning, so they're not going to go to a team that almost had a historic number of losses last year. Um, so you're, you're probably going to have to target younger guys where you can sell on growing with the team and you know building a building a program up from the, the bottom up together. So if if I had to throw some names out there, um, one guy I like is Alan Crabb out of Portland. Um, I think he's improved a lot uh, on both ends of the floor. He's a very solid shooter, and he's still young enough that uh, he can be on the same timeline with a lot of the young guys currently on the Sixers roster, and they can all enter their prime together. Um, problem with him is he's a restricted free agent, and Portland, like most teams in the league, don't have any problems fitting guys into the cap with the, uh, the jump to $94 million this season. And that's a, that's a common thing. There's, um, you know, also Evan Fournier, I think, would be a good target out of Orlando, but he's also a restricted free agent. And with uh, the Magic dealing Victor Oladipo on draft night, they're, they're certainly going to look to match any offer to him, um, given the added opening on the, at the wing position for them um, with Oladipo's departure. Um, so there's a couple guys like that, and, you know, I think we might see – Somebody like Jared Bayless, just because of his his ties with Colangelo from his days in Toronto, and I, I think something like that's fine for one to two years. And I think that's all Colangelo is looking for. He's he's referred to those stopgap stopgap veterans for for one to two years, just to kind of keep the ship afloat at the position and just help the young guys develop until next year's draft class, which is supposed to be very loaded at the point guard position or um, down the road as, as more free agents might see Philadelphia as a team on the rise and want to come here. Sean Kennedy from Philly Fast Break, our guest. So tell our fans, our listeners, uh, the countless listeners out there on SoundCloud.com, a little bit about your blog. Uh, so been going at it for about three and a half years. Um, I'm a Philadelphia native, uh, born in the city, went out to the suburbs for most of my upbringing. Um, moved back in the city for work. So I've been living downtown for better part of a decade. So I uh, just always loved basketball, loved the game, and uh, just passionate about Philadelphia sports. So I cover the college teams in the area, and I cover the Sixers, and I try to bring a little bit different perspective as, a, you know, it's, it's kind of the trend today to be the fan reporting to other fans um, as opposed to the a more of an AP reporter approach. So I try to do that, but I, I do um, I, I do also get credentialed at the college games, so I, I try to bring some behind-the-scenes stuff also um, as far as that goes. And uh, just uh, loving what I'm doing and trying to improve every day and hopefully the people out there are enjoying what I'm putting out there. Yeah, you're constantly on Twitter, constantly posting. Uh, just you know, on your site a few minutes ago, and you've had countless posts the last week. So keep up the good work. Appreciate the time joining us here and providing some insight on the Brotherly Love podcast. All right, I enjoy it, gentlemen. You have a good night. All right, that's Sean Kennedy from Philly Fast Break. You can check him out phillyfastbreak.com. 
Well, Johnny Mita, that was a pretty good interview. Sean Kennedy from phillyfastbreak.com. Good insight, credentialed at the local level, following the Sixers and kind of been a lifelong basketball fan and a local guy, so nice to get him on the Brotherly Love podcast. Oh, there's no, no doubt about it. I thought it was a fantastic interview. We had some several questions regarding the Sixers organization. He came to the table with a lot of information, and uh, I agree with him on a lot of fronts. You know, I asked him a question regarding free agents, he likes Mike Connolly. We all know that, that Connolly is basically looking for a team to hitch on with that is a so-called contender. The one name that he mentioned that I'm really on board with is Allen Crabb from Portland. He's kind of a sniper, shooting guard slash small forward. He is a restrictive free agent, so the Sixers might have to sign him to a hell of an offer sheet. But uh, I'm definitely on board with that selection. So. Again, this is this is going to take a long time. There's no way in the world that this team is going to be, you know, playoff level next year. So we have to take it slow. Enjoy Ben Simmons. This is excitement coming towards the organization. And like you mentioned earlier before, that Brett Brown said that he believes that one of these two big men are going to be traded in the offseason. I think that's definitely going to happen. It's just a shame that we weren't able to do it on draft night because I think we needed one other piece moving forward. All right, Johnny Mita, let's transition then into the next portion of this conversation, and that's Ben Simmons, Mickey Moniak, and Carson Wentz. Now the really the three faces of the respective franchises for what we hope is the next decade plus. Now, again, most of them, um, or at least in the case of Moniak and maybe even Wentz, maybe not an immediate impact. So let's for a moment, because I know this was being discussed in our native Philadelphia during the week, now that Simmons is part of the Sixers, Wentz obviously drafted number two overall by the Eagles, and Moniak uh, about 10 days, two weeks ago, selected by Philadelphia, by the Phillies. Uh, you're talking about three guys, number one or number two overall for all of them. <laughs> and, and hey, you know, this could be the turning of a new chapter in Philadelphia sports history. Now, granted, it's a long way off, but let's crystal ball this thing. When it's all said and done, who's in the Hall of Fame? Which guy's got a statue outside? The sports complex is who will be the most revered if you had to handicap the race before they ever take a snap, play a down, step on the court, catch a ball, whatever the analogy is. Who do you like? to be the most revered in Philadelphia sports when it's all said and done out of Moniak, Wentz, and Simmons? This is a great question. When I look at Mickey Moniak, look at the guys, unless he becomes the next Mike Trout, I don't think it's going to be Moniak. If he does, then there's certainly a possibility there. But I think this is a two-man race that comes down to Ben Simmons, Carson Wentz, and <sighs> tough decision. But I think I'm gonna lead towards Benson. Really? Yeah. And it, it's funny when I when you first posed this question to me, you know, I thought long and hard about him, like, you know, is Wentz the quarterback that we've been searching for to get it done? Well, he damn well better be. <laughs> Wait, hang on. Hang on. What's part? gone by? <laughs> Three weeks and you're already off the ginger bandwagon? No, no. I'm going to ride Wentz forever. You better. But, <laughs> but I just think 
the unlimited potential of Ben Simmons. And he's somewhat of a proven commodity. I mean, he has everything there. The unknown is the fact that Wentz played at, at a lower level, and we just don't know. We just have no idea. But listen, if Wentz brings the Super Bowl to the city of Philadelphia, he will have a statue in this city. <laughs> but right now, I just think the upside is stronger with Simmons because he's more of a proven commodity. What are your thoughts? I agree. I agree, but I'm going to take a roundabout way to get there. So let's start with Carson Wentz and the amount of pressure that will soon be placed on his lap. The expectations are always going to be so high that unless, like you said, he wins a Super Bowl, I just don't think he's the guy that we're talking about You know, two decades from now. I just don't. Um, as for Mickey Moniak, who knows? High school kid, might take several years to get to the big, lead, uh, big leagues. Without the advertised pop of a... Pat the Bat, Pat Burrell, when the Phillies drafted him in 98. I'm just not sure this kid's going to be a highlight reel waiting to happen. Could be a very nice player, hopefully a major league all-star for 10-plus years. You know, good fielder, hits for average, hits near the top of the lineup. I mean, I think that's that's the upside for Mickey Moniak. Now we get to my boy Ben Simmons, who last week I said that I hated. That's a quote. Boy, what a difference <laughs> a week makes, John Mita. Um, seriously, though, seriously. We know Ben Simmons is going to play and contribute right off the hop, something you just touched on. And with a healthy Joel Embiid, maybe it's the Philadelphia 76ers that two years from now has the city abuzz with some playoff fever. If that's the case, Simmons, to me, is going to most certainly be the guy. He's going to be a huge piece of that Sixers puzzle. So I'll take Ben Simmons as the top draft pick that we Philly sports fans regard the most highly when it's all said and done However, I would like John Mita to give a stick tap to Ivan Provorov, the Flyers' first-rounder, seventh overall from 2015. That was last year's NHL draft. He looks like he is going to be making the National Hockey League roster this year by all accounts, in which case we could get the the cornerstone of the Flyers' defense possibly for the next 10 years or whatever it is. And if that's the case, let's not sleep on Provorov because right now the face of the Flyers is, you know, Giroux, Simmons, Voracek. They're older players. There isn't a young guy outside of the ghost in Shane Goss's bear that uh, you can really kind of hitch your wagon to. Maybe a Braden Shen, but they're not, at least so far, Goss's bear and Shen aren't franchise-changing players. So maybe Provorov, five, six years from now, paired with a Goss's bear, you know, if they're a top tandem in the NHL, we could be talking about those two guys when it's all said and done. But I'll go with Ben Simmons just like you. All right, let's transition then into what I think is a logical conversation from here and the fact that, I was it Howie Roseman? Who came out today or yesterday, whatever it was, and basically said Carson Wentz is probably not going to even put on a football uniform this season? What idiot from NovaCare Complex said that? Do you know? I don't know where it came from because they kind of didn't name the exact source. But all the... All reports indicate that Carson basically is going to be a spectator for the entire year. Well, is he He's buying season there. tickets? Is Lori making him buy a seat license <laughs> with all the money he's got? <laughs> all right, I, I, I got I just got to cut you. All right, so if you didn't hear it, somehow yeah. a report came out. Carson Wentz is going to be the number three quarterback. Mark it down. He's not even. He's going to be wearing a baseball cap on the sidelines. And to, to that I say, why? 
Why now? Well, this time, the timing is so odd. You're not in training camp. Doug Peterson isn't getting hammered with questions. How does Carson look? Hey, is Sam playing okay? Who's your number one? We haven't even gotten there yet. So why the hell did this come out today or yesterday, whatever it was? And, and it's it's actually getting some steam nationally. Pro Football Talk had it because I I I think everybody obviously expecting Carson Wentz to at least put on a uniform at times this year, and they're making it sound like if. Bradford and Daniel are healthy and productive, then Carson Wentz will be watching the games like you and I. I got a problem with that. Yeah, I wouldn't. You're right. I wouldn't jump to that conclusion so fast. I think the reason why they're doing it is for a couple. I mean, there's a couple points, I believe, why they're saying that right now. Number one, I think they want to take the pressure off Sam Bradford. They don't want him looking around the corners. Oh, my gosh. They don't want the pressure of the Philly fans <sighs> saying, the fans stinks up the joint, has a couple bad games, bring in the rookie. Let's bring it on. Okay. I think that's one reason. Yeah. The other reason Tell Sam is, to grow up. <laughs> the other reason is the more logical reason, which I think they, they think is for this guy to grow into that franchise quarterback, so to speak, he needs to sit listen, learn, and then he'll be ready to go. Similar to what they did with McNabb. McNabb sat behind Poopy Peterson. McNabb, as far as I'm concerned, was ready in the first or second week in the season after watching Doug Peterson's quarterback play. So I think they want to take the pressure off everyone. Sam, they don't want to put the pressure on the rookie too early. And I also think they believe it's in his best interest to sit on the sideline, learn the playbook, learn the speed of the game, and then he will become the franchise quarterback. By the way, by the way, if I may, <laughs> again, the timing is just inexplicable. Ridiculous. So if this was an interview, if this was a leaked source, if this was a press release and I missed it, I just don't get it. Uh, but I digress. Good stuff, buddy. All right, I got a quick rant before we get on out of here. Um and it is on the Muirfield Golf Club in Scotland. You may have seen this, John Media. You're a big golfer. Muirfield oh, Golf right. Club in Scotland is a historic course. Okay, It's hosted the Open, the British Open, 13 times, if I'm not mistaken. In May, they voted to keep it as a men's-only club. And so no females are still permitted. So they forfeited their right then to host the Open in a future year. I don't know if it's going to be next year or whatever. Now, the vote in May, 36% against widening the membership was just a tick shy of the two-thirds majority they needed to sway things and allow females in their historic golf club, right? It had to be 65-35 in way of changing their policies. But there was 36% against, quote, widening the membership from what I read. All right, really convenient for me how close that vote came in May. Obviously, everyone's in each other's pockets. It, it was like a politician vote that you'd see on House of Cards where you know exactly who's voting what. Otherwise, there's no way in hell it ends up so damn close. Uh, again, they forfeit the right to host an open championship because of their no-female policy. This is a historic course, hundreds of years old. Again, it's hosted the open championship 13 times. They should burn the greens of this place and blow up the clubhouse. This is absolutely embarrassing. Now, they want to have a second vote. Guess why? Because the bigots there, those male chauvinists, those sexist pigs, 
realize how much money they're going to lose out on, never having the Open Championship back in their fairways and their greens. Uh, I don't care if it's Scotland. I don't care if it's Mars. The society we live in now shouldn't be so close-minded that we keep females out of a golf course, for Christ's sake. So, Muirfield Golf Club, take a hard look in the mirror. The next time you vote, which is apparently going to be for the end of the calendar year, how quickly you're able to get all those old heads together in a room, get them drunk enough to cast another vote. Every single one of those members or... I don't even know, their executive committee, whatever the hell it is, should figure it out, figure out that this is 2016, and get off their high horse from like 80 years ago, all right? They shouldn't even get a second chance to re-vote and possibly host majors in the future. They want the money and the prestige that comes with the PGA Tour. I get it. They screwed up in May on something that should have been reversed or changed years ago. Absolute joke, Muirfield Golf Club in Scotland. No, I mean, look at Augusta National, Joe. I know. They didn't have female members for years. And then their first member was Tonalisa Rice. Listen, the world has changed. So I couldn't agree with you more. It's a little ridiculous. And the fact that they want to have another vote just goes to show, man, that is their true colors. They realize the repercussions of their initial decision. Now they're trying to backtrack. Yep. And it's, uh, it's ridiculous. And they're getting blown up for it nationally, as damn well they should. No doubt. All right, brother. Happy 4th of July week to you. We'll probably have a week off next week since I'll be uh, out of pocket from podcast capabilities. So all the best to you. Happy 4th of (laughs) July, brother, and always a pleasure. Absolutely, buddy. Happy 4th to you and the family. And uh, looking forward to another edition in the future. Ben Simmons is a sixer. Quick shout. we got to give props to Eric Lindros for making the National yes. Hockey League Hall of Fame. Yeah, Hockey Hall of Famer, the E-Train, Eric Lindros, 88. He gets in. Pat Quinn, former Flyers coach, in as well. Nice stuff by you, Johnny Mater. All right, till next time on, Brotherly, right. on the Brotherly Love Podcast. Again, our thanks to Sean Kennedy. We'll see you. See you. Thanks for listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com.